Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of packing your bags, getting your tickets, flying to that place you've always wanted to be, and finding out you're dead. This is sure as heck not Kansas, Toto. No, sure not. That would sure put a clip in my vacation right now, I'll tell you that. I don't know whether we want to tag this on to the end of our Adventuring During a Disaster or what series, <laughs> but uh, this time we're talking about uh, adventuring in places that look good but aren't. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, so, uh, and a lot of stories, um, a lot of literature, a lot of movies, uh, whatever your source material might be, uh, has to do with people going places that look pretty good i mean you know everything's you know if people are hopeful to be there their lives are better and then it hits the fan okay uh, and there's a, a lot of examples that we're going to go through a lot of them uh go all the way from the uh historical uh all the way through to of course to the high fantasy It's an oldie but goodie. He's probably, I think it's available someplace. Oh, uh, that's Nadia, Secret of Blue Water. It's pretty much a takeoff of Jules Verne's uh, uh, 20,000 Leagues Beneath the Sea, but it's done from a totally different point of view, and it's a wonderful, wonderful series. And yeah, it's another place that you. Right. Well, that, that kind of goes back to the, uh, the whole Moby Dick one because, you know, uh, uh, the Nemo, the Nautilus, I mean, it's a beautiful ship. They go crazy interesting places and he's a total crazy man so it's like oh yeah he's just got as a crew that's devoted is so devoted to him they're willing to all die for him you know that's that's always a good thing right well did they you guys uh, see the uh uh the cgi version of uh captain harlock Oh yes, they, they, you try. You want to join their crew, so they stand you on the edge of their spaceship with like a thousand foot drop, and they ask you questions. They don't like your your answers. They just drop you. And then, of course, once you're on the ship, you're expected, of course, kill and maim your way across. You know, any place they decide to go, and 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 yeah. It's, you know, any ship that the captain decides needs to be uh, pillaged, then you just you you armor up and go in there and slaughter everybody and get slaughtered yourself sometimes. So it's uh, not necessarily the uh, adventurous life that you might have planned for. Uh, no, 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 no. The core worlds of, of Firefly are actually quite pleasant places to go to and live. 
Yeah. It's just, even yeah, it was even out on the on the fringes of of the of the systems. We're okay, as long as you stay away from brown coats. As long as you stay from brown coats, you're fine. You're actually living a nice a nice life. Getting anywhere near old brown coats, they're like, well, they're not good people. <laughs> they have issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the superheroes were pretty bizarro, but let's go into the truly bizarro, phantasmagoric places. Uh, Peter, tell us about Wonderland. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, Wonderland. Oh, my God. So Wonderland <laughs> is like this trippy, crazy – It's I don't know. I, I I often think he must have been introduced to LSD or or something because that the place is just – it's unpredictable. It's chaos, it's chaos in the extreme. You know, everywhere you go, you don't know what you're going to run into. You don't know what kind of things you could say. And, you know, of course, the, the star of the, the Wonderland stories is Alice, and she manages to survive, and, and that's, you know, mainly because you don't write a story about the person who doesn't. Um, but there would be plenty of plenty of people and creatures that don't. Uh, you know, you, you drink the wrong thing and you shrink into oblivion, or you, you know, you, you talk to the wrong person, or you run into the wrong creature. Or you get too tall and you're trapped there forever. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think in a lot of ways it reminds me of of what um, – if you ever played the game, the, the role-playing game, the, the White Wolf game, um, uh, uh, Fey – oh, crap. Oh, now, now I'm going to draw a blank. Changeling, sorry. Changeling. No. The, the Fey world reminds me of what Wonderland would be like. You know, you could go there and you just become lost amidst the chaos – yeah, that's that's one place. Uh, oh my god, I don't, I don't think you, I, I don't think most people would last a day there. Good thing is that this is a place that actually has two different RPGs based on it. There's the Adventures in Wonderland by uh, Skirmisher Game Development. It's set in the OGL world, so if you're running OGL FTL, I mean OGL uh, Friends Ready or OGL Bureau Thirteen, boom, instant conversion. Is it is it as crazy as the uh, as the story? Uh, they try, they try. Uh, the one that actually I think does a better job. It's Wonderland No More, which is put out by Triple Ace. Uh, make sure it's right right company. Yeah, by uh, Triple Ace. It's actually based on a British uh, guy's uh, setup. It's, it's Savage Worlds, and it takes place takes place in Wonderland after Alice has left. Ah, okay. It's a bit, it's a bit like the last movie that was made, uh, but not the same, it, you know. And it's yes, you can visit both Wonderland and Looking Glass Land. Uh, they they are in fact two different places, but the game puts them together in the same place. So, yeah, uh, the, the big difference is that in Looking Glass Land, where you start on the map, pretty much determines how you move to the, to the place. So if you start in the second row, you're a pawn. You can only you can you can your first move can cover two squares. After that, you can only move to one adjacent uh, square on on the map. And when I say squares, these are like huge, huge areas. So you know we're talking like you know counties. You know it's one of those weird things. Of course, if you start in the back row, you know it have to help you if you happen to be the knight. You got to remember two forward and one over. You know <laughs> things like that. Yeah, or if you're a bishop, you, you can never move in a straight line. So your character is always walking in diagonal lines. 
Well, no, you you, you only travel to the uh, diagonally adjacent lands. Oh, jeez, okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about. I, I don't. I never read any of the Looking Glass stuff. It, it, it basically it, 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 it's it's further adventures of Alice. She's a little older. It's like a year later, and she, and she goes through a mirror. Right. I I understand the premise, but I don't like. I don't know what the world is like. It's a different place altogether. Yes. Yes. She's trying to. She's trying to go from the back row to the, of of the uh, I believe the white ki- white queens realm and get make it to the red make it to the the back row of the red queens land. And become a queen herself. I think she starts as a pawn. So she's a pawn, so she's got to make her way across the land. And this is where the Jabberwock comes from, I believe. No, no, not Jabberwock. Was Jabberwock in Looking Glass? No, I can't remember. Because I've read them both. I've read them both many times. Of course, yeah, I think Jabberwock is from... So there's so the Jabberwock is something you will find in Looking Glass lands. You won't find in Wonderland. You'll find other nasty diddly things in Wonderland. Gotcha. Okay. The Queen of Hearts, for one. <laughs> but suffice it to say, you don't probably don't want to go to either one of those lands as a character. Yeah, well, I want to say something here. I say these are places that you wouldn't want to visit, but of course, that's the adventure. You're sort of forced to visit. Oh, you wouldn't want to live there, but you. These are these are I would call narrative worlds, you know, and have the help of their prime world, which means as soon as you step onto the node. You're in a story, whether you want to be or not. Right. Yeah. You know, these, you know, you're, you're the outsider. You're the new story element. Hey, so if it was Fringeworthy, would Wonderland be an alternate of the prime? Uh, well, I would assume it was an other place. It has to be an all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd have the, the entire node would have to be, you know, that weird thing. I don't know how you would deal with the cosmology. I mean, can you imagine all the other solar system, the sun? I mean, with that weird kind of stuff going on, I mean, maybe it'd be okay. I'd love to see somebody actually work, try to work out a real cosmology like that, but yeah. it would work because this is work for the uh, the, uh, the other one on our, on our list as well. I mean, think about it. There's been enough variation movies about Wonderland. You have all the alts filled. I can imagine you can actually fill all the alts with all the various movies that are made. Or variations of or comic books that were made on Oz, and you got them all pre-made, all the alts. Right, but like I said, you're still kind of stuck with the whole issue of of what's the prime like, and what what's the rest of the world like, and what are the rest of the the worlds in the solar system, and 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 even the other stars in the galaxy. I mean, are they informed by this, or is this some kind of local bizarro topography? Is Wonderland basically uh, like a giant pocket stop, you know, several hundred miles wide, and you're just in the and the gates are just dotted around it, you know. That's one way of looking at it. It may not even be a proper world. It's it's basically some sort of bizarro world that's flat, and you, if you get to the edge, who knows what happens when you get to the edge? <sighs> it could be ocean and just ocean the rest of the way it goes. Or they'd be sitting farther on off across the ocean. We don't know because Alice only investigated the land. She never really went out to see to see what's there. You know, there could be a Bujum out there, or a Frumius Bandersnatch. See what else? Uh, well, what about Neverland? Oh yeah. First of all, you have to understand where Neverland is. Okay. 
taking from the original story, Nether, Neverland is, which is where Peter lives. All right, just so we understand yes. this, is in his own mind. So we have somebody who's physically living in a location inside of his own mind. If you, if you have a little trouble with the concepts of uh, Mobius strips, okay, this is going to really mess with you. And it's a and it's a great place for Peter because he's literally God there, right? Okay, everybody else not so good. Okay, it's his world. You're all just living in it. Yeah, and it's it's the one world where I would say this is what you you'd encounter in Bureau Thirteen, an incursion. Because incursions in the Bureau through the universe, if someone makes makes a mistake on the on the deck of the Ardan Noon, say straight ahead until dawn, then second star on the right, straight on till morning. Yeah, you'll end up you'll end up sailing you flying into into Neverland. Right. It's if if you take if you take the stage play as your example of that. Uh, in, in fact, that wasn't in the original book at all, but that's okay. No, it basically it's straight on the, straight on the dawn. Second star on the right, and straight on till morning. Yes. Okay. And, but anyways, let, let's look at Neverland. Okay, you have it. It's basically an island world. Okay, it's uh, and it's round. I mean, it's clock face round. Okay, because at one point in the story, Peter and Wendy are walking along, and he doesn't realize that he's being tracked. Okay, by uh, the pirates. The pirates are trying to sneak up on them and kill them. But the pirates don't realize that the Indians are sneaking up on the pirates to kill them. And the Indians don't realize that the lions or the tigers are sneaking up to kill them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I actually, I think the best, the best, the best map, best vision I saw of Neverland was actually from Hook, uh, which is kind of not canon, but yeah, you because know, because oh you know, god, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did Peter not take his wife back to back to Neverland? Well, of course you know why, because he grew up. Yeah, I think the problem with Neverland is is that if you're adult, and I would say adult males visiting Neverland. One of, whoever, whoever the person I would consider to be the person in charge is now the new Captain Hook. Yeah, because there's got to be a Captain Hook. Yeah, Peter needs it. He needs a nemesis, and you're going to be his nemesis. Yeah, and any females in your party? I hate to say this. At least whoever the uh, who, the youngest, we say youngest or oldest, would become the new mo- uh, Wendy mother, Wendy, you know, Wendy girl or whatever, Wendy bird. Become the new mother for his lost boys, who he cycles through. Yes, he does. <laughs> he calls the herd. Yes, we know. This is what play. Normally, I say if Batman's involved, Batman wins. Not in Neverland. The best he'll ever get with is a draw. Right. <laughs> and and probably the most dangerous thing in Neverland are the fairies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. according to uh, Peter Pan, fairies. Not Disney. Right. Fairies are so small that they only have room in their minds for one thing. And everything else doesn't exist. So if a fairy is in love with you, it's great. The fairy loves you utterly, will do anything for you, whatever you want. The fairy is on is on top. 
ready to go, you know, fully committed, okay? If the fairy hates you, you're dead. Okay? <laughs> and that's what happens with Wendy. I mean, the Tinkerbell tries to kill her. Until finally what happens is that she kind of forgets what she was doing and Wendy does something nice for her and she's all happy about being nice to Wendy again. Of course, all the things that she did, like tell Captain Hook where she was and a bunch of other things, oh, she's forgotten all about that. Okay, so fairy, and, and that's just one fairy. Okay, there's lots of fairies. So you you get on the wrong side of fairies and you're in big, big trouble. The Peter Pan style is a play. Uh, well, no, actually, think back. It started out as a story about a kid who didn't want to grow up and lived and lived in Kensington Park, and that later became the play when Peter and Wendy. And he added a little coda to the end of it, where basically Peter comes back and there's Wendy all grown up, and he does not remember a single person that that had that they you know he does not remember any of their adventures, nothing. He doesn't even remember Tinkerbell. He would forget about her occasionally. That was the biggest fear they had when they were flying to Netherland, uh, Nether, Neverland, is that they were flying over the ocean for weeks, maybe. We're not quite sure how long it took, okay? And Peter would take off and go on adventures. And, and, and then every once in a while, he'd rem- oh yeah, he'd come back and keep steering him in the direction until finally they got to ne- uh, Neverland. But they were out flying over the ocean, you know, catching flying fish and, and and whatever and trying to eat things, starving to death in some cases. I mean, they got close. Sometimes they were really hungry until Peter showed up and found them some food. Uh, you know, it, it was dangerous being with Peter because he was a child. He, uh, uh, Peter was, he literally never grow up. He still had all his baby teeth. He He didn't laugh. He gurgled like a baby would gurgle. I mean, he was a very, very strange character. And, I mean, very endearing, too. He was sweet. He was, you know, he, he liked to have fun. Uh, he was very nice to Wendy, but at the same time, you know, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're there a little while and you're kind of like, we got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. He basically treated her brothers like just more lost boys. Yeah. He, they would have, they would have ended up being lost boys if it wasn't for Wendy getting them getting him to take them back. And who was it? What's his name? The other kid. She brought back one of the other kids, didn't she? Um, was, am I misremembering? Uh, it's kind of hard to say because there's been so many versions of it. I don't remember from the book. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, it's because it, you know, like I said, he finds and remember it's it's boys. Wendy's like the only girl he brings into this place. He doesn't really want more than one girl. And the Indian, Indian, the Indians don't count, and the fairies don't count, and the mermaids don't count. Wendy's the only human, only girl he considers proper. So the Indian princess is just decoration. Right, she's something. She's another person for him to rescue. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. Wonderland is a, is a is definitely a great place to visit, but you wouldn't want to stay there very very long, you know. And of course, the pirates are, are going to kill you if they can. Yeah, unless of course it is post post hook, and in that case, you're the new pirates, and you may not be able to leave there until you figure out some way. To, and you can't just lose; you just can't just outright lose to Peter because he won't let you. No, that's no fun. You have to fight. Yeah, you have to fight him. 
He wants you to fight him. Yeah, and he, and he can and he'll find ways to make you to fight him. If he has to kidnap somebody from your crew and make you fight him, he will. <sighs> if he's got threaten threaten the friend of yours, one of the female members of, the, of your team, threaten them, he will. He wants you to fight and lose, but lose his way. Right. He wants to be. He wants to be. You know. You know. We're like. You know. I hate to say the scene from the movie from from the from the Disney video Pan, Peter Pan movie, where yeah, where you end up in the jaws of the of, of the of the crocodile. You know. Yeah. That kind of right, losing because Peter is a child. He thinks like a child. Okay. He doesn't think like a, a, a he. He doesn't have a moral compass like you know like we should have as we grow up. He's never grown up. So he's, you know, he, what sounds like a good idea he goes for, you know, and, and he wants you to play. And, and, and whenever you play Indians and settlers, somebody's got to be the Indians. And when you, the, the, and when the cowboy shoots the Indian, the Indian is supposed to fall down dead. You know, it's, and, and if you don't, then you're not playing right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course he will make sure you fall down dead. Maybe. And he, like I said, he is good hearted. So I think I think I think that when people, uh, you know, you talk about call, you know calling the herd, John. I don't, I'm not really sure that he ever actually does that. I think what happens is I think the Lost Boys naturally die off during the combats with the uh, with uh, with the pirates. Yeah. Oh yeah, as I meant, I, mean, I didn't mean he actually physically kills them, but he may, but he puts some situations where yeah, there's going to be some- there's going to be some loss. Yeah, they're going to be casualties, right? And they'll come back and they'll raise a, you know, a, a glass of something to them and cheer their names and tell their stories and then forget about them and bring a new person in. Because there's always seems to be lo- there always seems to be more lost boys out there that need to come to the island. So, all right. So now that our land, great place, uh, but not so great once you get to know it pretty well. Uh, did we talk about Oz? No, I not yet. yet. Oh, Oz, yes. Everyone thinks Oz is a wonderful. Okay, thing. well, well, Trav, why don't you tell us about Oz? Well, I mean, let's face it. You got witches. <laughs> What's the Facebook meme? It boils down to two women fighting over shoes. Uh, and it's funny because I think actually the whole story of Oz. It was uh, L. Frank Baum writing. It was like an allegory about the the gold and the silver standard or something like that. From what I've heard, I can't. Don't hold me to it. It's what I've heard. It maybe it's more myth than anything else. He actually was writing it for uh, children. Yeah. He was actually writing it, you know. And if, if people can read into, it, we all know people can read things into books. He was this guy who was always trying to, you know, uh, come up with, you know, he he he, try, he tried to create an emporium and and. And uh, you know, and show the people out west all these great things that he discovered in his travels. And uh, he was always a failed businessman. It was only into, uh, wasn't. It was only when he actually put it, his stories down and wrote them and got them illustrated that it, it turned out well. And, and 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 the funny thing was is that the the guy that was pu- publishing his books went out of business. Oh. Even though he was selling thousands of them, I don't understand how that happened. But you know, he, so they had to get another publisher. The, the books went out of print for a while, and they got another publisher, and and they and continued publishing. And it's just he has such a crazy failed business life that it's the story of Frank Baum is just something to read. Yeah. 
Well, he did find success as a showman, though, because he did turn many of the novels into plays to much success. So, yeah, he actually did a large, you know, Wizard of Oz was a play. Uh, was it, uh, what's the next one in the line? Marvelous Land of Oz was a play. Ozma of Oz was a play. He was, as one of his compatriots, did Oz as a movie. When was Wizard of Oz a movie done? 1930-something, with uh, Judy Garland, 1930-something. Yeah, yeah, but and th- that, you know, but that was not the first movie. There was a previous, there was a previous movie. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, and yeah, in 1939 was was that one, but it was the black and white one. I think done with, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, 1925? No, 1910. 1910. You know, there was done as a movie by um, uh, who uh, who did it? Oh, Sea Lake Polyscope Company. I'm looking up in the. Uh, I want to say before that there was actually one in 1925 and in 1933. <laughs> it was just the the color one that everyone remembers. Well, you know, Judy Garland, Ray Bolger, Margaret Hamilton, you know, the later known as the Maxwell House Lady. And that's the one we all grew up with. We saw it every Easter on CBS. I mean, da, da, da. Um, But yeah, let's face it. You've got wild fields of poppies that you fall asleep in. They're they're poisonous. Yeah, poison. You got people sending flying monkeys at you. You got haunted forests. You got... You know, it's like there's just a lot of stuff in this world that's not going to treat you right. Yeah, it's visually stimulating. You got, you know, houses falling on people. You got munchkins there being all, you know, defensive and just, yeah, not not exactly a vacation spot. No. <laughs> yeah. And and the movie was actually, I would say, toned down because the well, yeah, the, usually they are. Yeah, the odds, the odds of the books is a much different, and I would say potentially much more dangerous place, even though you can't die. We know this because what happened to Nick Chopper? You know who Nick Chopper is? We also know we know him we know him as the Tin Woodman. Ah. He, 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 he's a munchkin who fell in love with a munchkin maid who worked for the Wicked Witch of the East. And she cursed his axe to will but basically chop him up. Cut off his legs, got new tin ones. Cut off his arms, got new tin ones. Cut off his body, got new tin one. Cut off his head, got new tin one. And he was still Nick Chopper. Well, no, he started calling himself the Tin Woodman because he lost his heart and he was basically, he didn't need to eat or drink and he basically couldn't love this munchkin mate he fell in love with. Uh, ah. That didn't mean, didn't mean he was dead, though. This, 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 uh, let me, this, this, this gets really how weird Oz is. He had a friend called Captain Fighter. He was a munching soldier. Well, he was. He went to tell the munching maid what happened to his best friend, you know, Nick Chopper. He fell in love with the munching maid, and his saber got cursed. And we can just skip skip the story at this point. He's now known as the Tin Soldier. Now here's where the mm-hmm. gets. He, now here's where it gets creepy. The person who built them was named. His name's Q Clip. Yes, Q Clip, and he had all these parts and two heads. He would talk to, and they would talk back, because Captain Fight and Nick Chopper were still alive. But also, they were also the Tin Woodman and Tin Soldier. Hmm. So he Kukup got hold of a bucket of magic glue, and in twenty days he made himself a man. He put he got parts from Nick and he parts from Captain Fight and built himself a guy who goes by the name of Chop Fighter. 
and he married the maid, uh, and they now live together happily ever after. Uh, Captain fights he- he- fighter's heads on, on is on this person's body, but he calls himself Chop Fighter because he's an amalgam of of Nick Chopper and Captain Fight. And best can tell, he didn't have anything left over except for the head of Nick Chopper. So just paint that in your head at that point what the guy looks like. Mm. Uh, and this is where Oz gets dangerous. I, I say for, for a lot of folks, if you, you can get your arm cut off and it's just fine and you might even be able to move your arm while it's laying on the ground. But if they replace it with say a tin arm, uh, it works just fine. But understand there's nothing in that tin arm it, or actually tin plated because it rusts. Uh, there's nothing in that tin arm. It's just a pair of hollow tube, hollow tube, some hollow tubes with some uh, joints and you move it through the power of the magic of Oz. If you were to then go back to the real world, either going back on the platform or going to, uh, let's see, Bureau 13 universe, you just got, you just got uh, tin tubes attached to your, attached to your shoulder and you can't do anything with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a tin woodman would collapse because, and th- this is because the way the magic of Oz works, it breaks the rules. It breaks a lot of rules. It breaks the one rule where normally you got to have what an hour or so before the magic before, before the magic goes away. Eighteen hours. Eighteen hours, yeah. Because the way Oz works, no. As soon as if you if Oz is not the prime platform, uh, as soon as you step onto the platform, it goes away instantly. You have to be in Oz for it to work. If you're not in Oz, it doesn't work. Period. <laughs> so the Tin Woodman would just collapse and fall into a pile. Be taken back though, he comes back to life again. <laughs> that would suck to be the scarecrow then too. The scarecrow, oh yes. Anyone, you know, anyone gets injured, um, and theoretically, I, I did thought because uh, it's not outside of the rules of the way the stuff works. Theoretically, someone could skin you alive, gut you, but leave your brain in your head, and then make two of you. You know, put a scarecrow body on one on one, and and then put a wooden skeleton to the other, and there'd be two of you now. Mm. At that point, and you can never go home because you would not you would not survive, and because you don't age, you don't get older. Uh, that's another thing. If you if you're pregnant and you go to Oz, well, your pregnancy is on hold until you leave it. Oh, yeah. So that's another problem about Oz. But uh, it was in one of the uh, there are forty three novels, canon novels about Oz, fourteen by Baum, several by uh, Plumley, and a couple more after that. And one of Plumley's novels, Dorothy goes back home, but this is in like the nineteen forties. She ages till she's like twenty five or twenty six. You know, so yeah. I can see problems with people like the wizard who went back. He was in his seventies. He'd die if he went back. Same thing with Annie M and, 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 and her uncle, you know, they, they, if they went back, they'd die. You know, they just age and die. Of course, when she came back, she de-aged back to herself, her, her age, which is like about 10, I think 10 or nine in the novels. But, but there's places there. The thing is now, of course, Having said you can't die, yes, you can. But it has to be one of those catastrophic things like being burned to, to ashes, eaten by some animal Oz and digested, and stepping in the deadly desert. The deadly desert is a, is a, death, is a death sentence. You will instantly turn to dust. 
if you step in the deadly desert. In fact, that, that's what the movie uh, Return to Oz got right. Uh, there's a sequence there where one of the guys in the, uh, with the big skatey things, rolling, rolling wheels, lands in the deadly desert and just, poof, instantly turns to dust. Now, I would say for gaming purposes, I'd give you a chance to do a reflex save or make a, you know, make a, uh, a dexterity roll, but you would lose the limb that touched it at that point. It just goes away. <laughs> you know, and like again, this is one place where you get to it. You can get to it either through um, Bureau 13, uh, Tornado, Airplane, Tunnels Under, tunnels under uh, San Francisco, uh, various ways to get to it. And Oz is just more than just Oz itself. There's actually several kingdoms surrounding it. So there's Oz in the middle, a desert, the deadly desert surrounding it, and there's several kingdoms that surround it, that surround that. Uh, as long as you're on that island, continent, whatever it is, you're okay. It's just that, you know, since you leave, you know, if you have any magical things, they stop working at that point. Um, yeah, but that's it. But the thing is, I would love to visit the place. There's things I would love to go. I would love, I'd love to go to the China village and see all the China, all the China people. They're all made out of porcelain China. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The porcelain people. Oh yeah, you can't read. Really t- and the thing is, unlike the movie, uh, the Oz, the Great and Powerful, you really can't take him out of the China Village. If you take him out of the China Village, they actually stiffen up and basically solidify. They only stay active within the confines of the China Village. They're another one of these little magical constructs. Um, and then you also got people like Glinda. Uh, Glinda is uh, everyone calls her the the the, the uh, Good Witch of the South. Technically, she's a sorceress because she really isn't a witch. She's more of a sorceress, and she has that book of hers where which tells her everything that's going on. So she she wants to know what's happening to somebody. She opens the book up and starts reading about them. And I and someone said, and the, the implication is it works for people who ever visit Oz. So you know what they're doing back in the real world. So if you're coming to visit Oz, and then you leave, Glinda will know what you're doing. Elsewhere, because you're now part of Oz, whether you want to be or not. So you really never leave Oz in, in, in some sense. You're always going to be part of Oz. And Glinda would know what's going on. And if you happen to be someplace where her powers can reach, she may try to help you. So make make nice with Glinda if you get a chance. You know, of course, there are like 43 novels, which means there's plenty of danger and peril in Oz. You just won't die. You may end up, you know, a bunch of limbs and a body in a, in a wheelchair. But hey, hey, at least you're alive. I, I always imagine if, if in the Bureau of Thirteen Universe, we always talk about the, the, the village where they send they send agents so they won't talk. Yeah, send them to Oz. Send them to Oz. Once they get about twenty years on, they can't leave. Otherwise, they die. I can see. A, I can see a village in Oz. Of all, all these retired beer agents that they, that were too that they didn't want didn't want to dispose of or didn't want to leave let let go because they had too much knowledge and there they are living in Oz in a little village and you know and they're all in there like their sixties or seventies you know whatever but you know they've been sixties and seventies for however long they've been there you know some of them have been there since nineteen thirties ooh yeah. <sighs> All right, but yeah, Oz is in one way is it'd be a nice place to visit, but you 
yeah, be on your P's and Q's and don't get hurt. You know, someone shoots you six times with a, with a musket, the bullets go right through you. And unless you get someone who can repair those holes, you'll still got those holes when you leave. And guess what happens when you leave? Yeah. <laughs> there is a book, Adventures, there's a game, Adventures of Oz. It covers, and it actually covers all this stuff. It even has rules of the fact that characters don't die. They just get chopped up. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, John, is that you know medical science is kind of weird because since you don't die, uh, they're kind of laissez-faire about the whole thing. So, you know, you're like, I'm uh, suffering over here. It's like, ah, don't worry, I'll get to you sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now, now this uh, never age, because people not die. Was as you can tell, was not in effect when Dorothy visited first time visit, because then the Wicked Witch would never have died. The Wicked Witch of the East would never have died. She'd just been grumbling underneath the house, going, "Get this house off of me!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it happened later. I, th- I can't remember it's either Ozma or um, Glinda who did it. Ozma, um, uh, there's a person spent the first what twelve, thirteen years of her life as as a uh, Kip, a boy. And we're not talking dress a boy a girl dressed as a boy. She was a boy. In every sense of the world. And then she gets reverted back to her true self, which is Ozma. And I just can't help think that some morning she gets up and goes takes a bath and goes, I'm missing something. Well, you, you just wonder if she still does this standing up. Yeah, yeah. She she was used to writing her notes her name in the snow. Oh God, we are not having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, leaving the the troublesome uh, locations of Oz behind, let's move on to. I wrote it down as third Earth. It's like the third Asia man. What was it in in um, in, in Middle Earth? War of the Rings. That was the third age. Third age. Okay. So I said third Earth is third age. So here we have this really uh, well. It's basically a fantasy uh, world. Uh, full of all kinds yep. of critters and people who don't seem to get along too well with each other, except that they're separated by vast uh, distances uh, and or they're hidden away in places. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm so glad New Zealand exists because all these wonderful shots of high mountains and glaciers and... Uh, and hills and everything. It's just, just uh, an absolute touring tourist delight to travel throughout uh, the middle earth until you run into the Denzians who live there. For the most part, I think you would be okay. It's when you want to travel. So, uh, and I guess it depends on what part of, yeah. Then again, what part are you in? You know, are you, are you in one of the cities that's getting invaded and overrun by orcs and trolls and such? Um, <laughs> But are you in new, me- new media, new, new media, which is, I think is the, uh, the, the vassals of the, of the, uh, of Sauron. I mean, like when that. you look at, look at the narrative. Okay. And, and besides the monsters that are following them because they've got the ring, all the random encounters that they run into your av- you know, if you didn't have somebody with the uh, amazing, you know, fighting ability of, of, of you know, dwarves and, and, and uh, Legolas and Strider. I mean, you'd be toast, man. Well, yeah, I mean, like, they run into the trolls. They just they just happen to be on the trail. Yeah. 
And, and I wouldn't want to, God, I wouldn't want to run into them. I would have given up my horses, frankly, you know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I always loved that one. Uh, when I was watching the, the first movie, and when Boromir got pegged and going, okay, he made a save roll, he made a save roll, he made a save roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luck ran out after a while, yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah, stop making his save rolls. Yeah. Well, that's that's just that's just Sean Bean. He just you know he's got he's got that die that you know yeah, every just, movie that he's in uh, he, he yep. rolls that one at a critical time. It's like damn. And I, I believe the Middle Earth role playing game actually did flesh out the map a bit more and put more cities down uh, on it because we really, there are only like a handful of cities on the map, and you know there's a lot more places to visit on in Middle Earth. We played that, and there was like all these tribes of men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone plays the game of okay. That's England. That's France. There's the med. There's the med. <laughs> you know, and you know, it basically, it basically is you know, and the Shire is either in England or in the uh, or in, in, in or in Ireland, one or the other. <laughs> uh, no, considering uh, his uh, Tolkien's book, look, look, his political points of view, it was England. It was in 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 England. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'd say Third Days is probably the except for the ring and and that stuff going on. It was the the least dangerous of the of the three ages. You know, forget about the first age. That's just just plain weird. That's all the Silmarillion stuff. I'm sorry, that book bored me to tears. I couldn't even <laughs> get through yeah. a chapter or two. It, the second age is is the time when Sir with Sauron rose and uh, no uh, Morgoth and Sauron rose. The archangel uh, Lucifer and his and his and his uh, second second command in charge at that point. You know. So yeah, the second age is just just bad. And, then, and if you go to fourth age, fourth age is our history. At that point, yeah. Yeah. So. Of the, of the three, Third Age is, if you're going to visit any of them, Third Age is the one to visit because it's probably the safest of the three, even though it is desperately medieval and desperately fancy medieval. Then, you know. We, we played that and there was like all these tribes of men. Mm hmm. Oh, like Tame Round uh, Bilbo or before Bilbo. Well, even, even, no, even, even around the time of Bilbo. That's fine. Because you got to remember during that time, Prior to the war, um, and and Bilbo's adventure—that's what was it? Twenty years? What between the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings? That was sixty years. That's sixty. Sixty. Oh, so you you could live like a whole lifetime and not have anything serious happen to you know? You'd be living in this nice, beautiful New New, New Zealand like uh, uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except for the fact is that we knew that there were ra- uh, you know ravaging orc tribes just beyond the areas that were being held back by the rangers. Hey, look, I stay down. I stay out of downtown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. the place to be is, is either Bree or in the Shire. Though, of course, the, the hobbits will make fun of you as being so uncouth, uncouth human. But yeah, still Bree or Shire, great places to visit. Not too bad, and I think what if you go you go back a hundred years before all that, a hundred years before uh, say, say Bilbo and Merkwood was actually nice. Yeah, 
you know, uh, you got to be there at the right time, you know. And of course, Gondor isn't bad. Minas Tirith was, you know, pretty decent. Oh yeah, back yeah. Was under the rule of the kings, it'd be a great place to visit. Yeah. Oh, well, you couldn't visit Erebor, but you could visit the human city outside of Erebor. Uh, the, the dwarves aren't going to let you in unless you're a dwarf. Well, that's not entirely true. That's why I listed, uh, you know, the Lonely Mountain. Okay, I mean, you know, you, you go there, and yes, you got to kiss the ring of the uh, of the dwarf. But I mean, you're never going to go anywhere and find more gems and gorgeous metal and and huge statuary than the Lonely Mountain. You know, uh, and uh, is and everything is great until like a lizard shows up. Yeah, so, right. Uh, the only place where you could literally engage in your Scrooge McDuck, Scrooge McDuck fantasy and swim in a money pile. Yeah, really could do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So where else? Where else? Where else can we? But don't want we? We don't want to go. Oh, let's see. Well, I can mention one place. I actually because I love the book. Um, it is a bit dense. I, I have to admit to that. It's, uh, the the uh, the Commonwealth of Letters from the novel Silverlock. It's basically all the mythologies of Europe from, I say, about uh, as close as you get is Don Quixote. And that's the closest you get to modern time. Otherwise, it's pretty much it's, okay. it's all the mythologies, but taken from the point of view that, that they are real people and that, you know, Robin Hood is not the nice person you would think he is. He's a rob- He's a robber. And he's, you know, and there, and his merry men aren't very merry, you know, because they, they're, because they're, because they're hiding from the, they're hiding from the sheriff, and they're busy, you know, robbing people, and they, they don't care who they rob, really. If you look like you get the, a, a few coins in your name, they'll rob you, you know. It's not a nice place. I mean, uh, and you get things like, you know, uh, going to a, going to this big, big hall, and the first thing you know is over the uh, door is this arm. Big arm, you know, it's still bleeding. Ooh, Grendel. Ah, uh, yeah. Which tells you, oh, the arm's up there, which means I want to be as far away as possible from this building right now. Because <laughs> see what happens afterwards. That happens. <laughs> uh, he runs into Faust. So you know, there's a, you know, there's definitely de- demons and devils you gotta worry about. This it's basically it's all the mythical story. It's basically the literature version of of Roger Rabbit, only not not so nice. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of that, uh, hey, what about the whole trip through hell that uh, oh, Dante, uh, Dante's Inferno? I mean, talk about your interesting you know walking tour. Yeah. You can stop and turn your eyes away from what you're reading. You know, when they talk about, you know, people being flayed alive and people, you know, being buried up to their neck and and manure and other things like that. I mean, you know, you can stop. But if you were actually in that situation, it would be this constant bombardment of your psyche of all things horrific, all things painful, all things demeaning. And it would just go on and on until you got to the end of it, uh, and none too soon. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, but I know a lot of people who, th- yeah. right? And yeah, you you you'd be like, how you know this is terrible. This is the, the you know there's there's got to be some way of getting these people out of yeah. here. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was also in the, the late was it late Niven and Purnell Inferno. Did Martin take? That was just that was well. The original was just um, uh, Jerry Purnell. Jerry Purnell, yeah. He 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 actually had he had he actually made a sequel to yeah. it. And then there's Heroes in Hell, which is another one. That- no, wait a second. But see, like in Larry Niven, I'm sorry, in Jerry Purnell's Hell, even the best places, the because it got worse as you went further down. Okay, it was basically a, like a cornucopia, and you just kept working your way further and further away. But the most outermost place, which was the uh, the vestibule, it was a pretty nice place. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. There wasn't anything to see. It was nothing but like uh, clay mud flats, as far as the eye can see, and this wall that you could see in the distance that you could never actually reach because uh, every time you went toward it, it kept moving further away. Uh, but they had flies, gnats. You couldn't, little no seams, And you just sit there and they would just like pick at you. And so there was no place in, in, in hell that you could ever be comfortable in. Yeah, and, every, and then all the jars screamed. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure. They weren't happy in yeah. there. And of course, you ran across a, a certain gate that was broken. You know, the main gate to hell was broken. I uh, wonder who broke that. <laughs> Another world that a lot of people might think, oh, this would be fun, uh, Hyboria. Uh, that, that is not, <laughs> not a great place to live. That is, that is like the Wild West mixed with, uh, with fantasy, you know, with what well, not, <laughs> it, it, not as, fa- and not even that fantastic. I mean, the, the world of, the world of Hyboria wasn't really that fantastic. It was more down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. But every pl- every time you drop your hat, there's another warlord. Yeah, or or, or a sinewed barbarian cleaving you in half because you dropped your hat. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but but the monsters in that world uh, were were, were uh, um, Cthulhu monsters. Oh yeah, because Howard was a fr- was a fr- friend and fan of. Consider all you out there. Just consider Robert E. Howard and H. P. Lovecraft. It's a shared world. It, they're pen pals. Yeah, they were pen pals. Yeah, just accept that as fact now, listeners, and move along. Just so right. imagine Wild West fantasy and Lovecraft. Yay! Right. Yeah. Well, well, Peter, you were saying how we we need to go and wrap this up soon. So let's bring this around to actual play. Okay, so we've been talking about all these different places. So what we're really trying to do here for our listeners, we're trying to say, look, this is when you create a world. Okay, we have always said that conflict is good, and you know, make sh- you know that these are things that you can do, you know, to to change things up for your players. I mean, you most of the time we have a kind of a sketch in our mind about the where the adventure is taking place, and it rarely has a whole lot of detail to it because what we're really trying to do is to get to that one scene in our mind that you know we've all that, that we really want the the player characters to be at. Okay, so. And the players are going to have the same situation. They're, when you start describing these worlds to them, they're going to be going, wow, yeah, I kind of get it. Sounds like a nice place. Yeah. And then that's when, but they know that you're going to screw them because that's your job. You know, and so <laughs> what we're doing is we're talking about all the different ways that a perfectly nice, perfectly, you know, okay place could actually have something seriously the matter with it. So that, because you don't want your characters ever to get too comfortable. Because if you do, they'll stop. 
They'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, this is a great place. This is the place we've always looked for. Let's, let's have our characters settle down, and it's time to start a new campaign because you just eliminated all the re- any reason for them to continue adventuring. Oh, yeah. So how much is too much? Hmm. I mean, yeah, throw some into Narnia. Um, you know, you throw them during the wintertime, it's bad at that point. You can actually, you, your characters will die off because they're being frozen solid, or of course they're, you know, the humans, and a certain witch is looking for you. Yeah. Well, but if you're lucky, you'll run into some beavers that'll let you stay in their hut, even though it's really tiny and, and you know, I mean, they're, they're to them it's spacious, but to you, you're sitting cross-legged and you got a hunch. And if anybody's ever spent any time, uh, you know, using one of those uh, uh, stockades and and the various implements they have in in Salem and places like that, and saying what it was like to actually have to sit, you know, on on one of those devices for like, you know, a, a a, a couple of days, well, you know, your your neck and your back would be screaming within, uh, you know, just a few days of of having to hunker down inside of a beaver's hut during the middle of winter on Narnia. So you you wouldn't like that, especially especially when you got you get your rifle in that just right position and your pistols in the right position too. You know, <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, your average fringeworthy you know character who's going to be armed to the teeth. <laughs> Right. Well, your average fringeworthy character is going to show up in a Moscovy or some other device. And, yeah. And they're not going to have to have to worry about staying in stay inside of a uh, inside of a hut. They'll have their own environment, so that's not really a problem. But but I mean, you know, uh, dragons. You know, I mean, is throwing is it dirty pool to throw a dragon at somebody? Mm. No. Depends on the depends on the dragon. If you're talking the dragon. Depends on the, the size and age of the dragon in your party. Again, that's that's the GM being a good or bad GM. Also, also you know, are you throwing a like game dragon at them, which you can kill, or are you throwing a, throwing the dragon from Dragon Slayer at you, which you more or less need something on that tick of a wizard bomb to get rid of? You know, you know I've been shooting it all day long, and nothing's getting through that armor. <laughs> yeah, or it regenerates as fast as I'm killing it. Or it's smog, and you have to find that... Spot where his scales are rubbed, rubbed clean. Right, and you got to use a black arrow to hit it because you just can't hit it with anything else. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're constantly, I mean, the whole idea is for them to have a good time, right? So they're going to be adventuring, and if you're constantly hitting him with like, oh, you know, here's something, here's some more suck for you. Okay, here's something else. Oh, you know, by the way, the flies have gotten into your food. You're now, you're, you're eating flies. Okay, oh, and, uh, you know, you, you sat down to go to the toilet. Well, now something is growing inside your butt cheeks. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, as I'm saying, where's too far, okay? Your, your, dog ran out, your dog ran into the desert and turned into a pile of dirt. Into a pile of dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's a dirty pool thing to do. Right. So, I mean, you're going to have to, you, you want to bring the this thing, you, you know, because it makes it more interesting. It causes conflict. Okay. But at the same time, because you just keep hitting them with it, uh, you know, one after another. And it's so easy to do that in some of these worlds that are just so alien. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's going to, it's going to take all the fun out of it. You know, so you, you, you got to kind of have to balance it. I don't, 
I don't know. Is it's like uh, is there a rule of thumb you know that we would use like how many t- in like uh, in video games? It's like every five minutes you got to run in you know run into a monster that for that you can kill because that keeps your interest in the video game. That's how that's how they make them. So if you're running a role playing game, you know uh, outside of the actual combat, how long before the next you know, uh, thing happens. Do you ha- do you want to introduce something that's going to complicate their lives by it being something they didn't expect? And most of these things are things you don't expect. That's the whole point of the of of our uh, topic tonight. Is that you went there not expecting this to happen? You you the, the, it was something that you weren't anticipating it. So how much of it is too much? Is is the big question? Okay, use the world as a setting. Don't use the rule as the world, the book, or whatever as the actual adventure, because the plot in the book is basically the GM. Basically, the, the author author can make it do whatever he wants to. He can have him succeed and fail as he wants to. If you're going to try to railroad him through the adventure, they're not going to like you. And it, right, well, railroading is out. Yeah, we all agree on yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, like, like let's, let's take for Oz for instance. For the most part, when they found they can't get killed. A lot of folks may actually go berserk, some go berserk and attack wild animals and stuff like that, and not realizing that, yeah, you're going to need to get repaired with all those holes and scratches, and that arm needs to be reattached somehow, you know, or if you're unlucky, you're going to have to get yourself a tin arm until you can get a proper prosthetic because you're not getting that arm back if it gets eaten by the monster. Yeah, you got your guts ripped out, so you're going to have to find some straw to stuff in there. Otherwise, your body's not going to have enough stiffness for you to stand upright. Yeah, and keep your guts, because they can go right back in if you sew them back, sew them in right. Hopefully, you sew them back in right. <laughs> Hopefully. <Yeah. laughs> Actually, that is, a, that is a threat. Peristalsis does only go in one direction. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it. thank th- well, <laughs> almost always, almost always, yeah. <laughs> so when I've when I've run anything where it's been in a in a popular world or, or any kind of mm-hmm. popular novel of, of any kind where I've got the players you know running in my game that are and and I don't want them doing the story uh, because that's boring because they already know the story and I don't want them just playing it out. Um, I tend to parallel it, so I pick points in the the story that we're playing, and I try to find other things that people would be doing or could be doing during that time. I ran an entire Robotech series, uh, the Macross, the, the first of the the three stories that Harmony Gold put together, yeah. um, and they ran alongside the heroes. They they didn't. They didn't participate in a lot of the same things the heroes were in because I went episode by episode and found other things that people could be doing during that time. So when this oh, okay. ba- when when a certain battle was going on, they were in another part of a battle doing something else that had to be done that actually influenced or affected the other the the, the, the storyline or that the storyline could affect their end of it. And that was really interesting, and they had a really good time with it um, because they they weren't. They were in the story, but they weren't. They had no idea what was going to happen. So there was still that element of surprise, uh, that that element that they were actually affecting change in their own way. I've done that with the Robotech game I run. I was running on Saturdays too, where I had because I have the entire thing. I got it last year for my birthday. So yeah, I've watched and said I pretty much did the same thing you did. 
and even wrapped in other story elements to where they became canon. And just think that even the characters weren't doing, but just, oh, I found this. Yeah, by the way, it says here. Oh, okay. And they saw the, the, the synergy of it all adding together, and it helped along with what they did and these other things. It all clicked together, and it helped, uh, what's the term, Bruce? Uh, buy-in? Yeah, help the buy-in. Yeah, they need to be invested. And to really, to, to really prove my brony cred, I actually ran a play-by-post uh, My Little Pony game. Uh, but uh, the, the, they only encountered three, three, uh, known, three known characters, one near the beginning and two toward the end. But pretty much I took the setting and took it to its logical conclusion and ran a fairly, fairly uh, fun adventure. Uh, it took three years. We ran for three years, and we lost two players in the process, but we finally got to the end. <laughs> it was a, a gr- yeah, yeah we it was it was a great it was a great we had a great time and uh, everyone enjoyed it. Uh, we had a lot we had a lot of songs, and it definitely was well illustrated. We used wushu, so we so gang. The reason why we lost two players because they could not wrap their head how wushu works. Uh, which is basically you describe what you do and how well you, and how well you succeed, and then you roll to see how well you really did. And a lot of folks couldn't get that around their head how wushu works at that point. Yeah. So and uh, but yeah, it was fun. And uh, like I said, I only touched on two major characters. Uh, well, hey, one major character for like about three scenes, and then uh, the last scenes were was was wrapped around two major character. Well, two minor characters in the series. Uh, they only appeared twice in the entire series so far, but I made them the impor- made them the bad made one of them the bad guy, one of them the good guy, and they had a great time. All right, well, thanks everybody for sticking it with us and learning how to stick it to your players by sending them to uh, places that sound really good and but they're not always great. Uh, this is all part of uh, good adventure design to make sure that the environment itself uh, generates opportunities for the players to write their own stories. Because a lot of these things we're talking about, you know, they, they go there thinking about what they're going to do or they're not thinking about what they're going to do. And because it's so different than what they expected, they actually end up doing more. They actually end up having to think about how they want to interact with their environment in a way that'll bring the fun back into their adventure and they have a better time because it's more engaging. Uh, We hope that uh, we've given you a few good ideas uh, and maybe you said, hey, that's okay. I still want to go there. That's fine. Uh, At least you've been warned. Yep. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. 
because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.